Welcome to Simpler Bible, a daily journey to biblical understanding. Well, I did misinform you yesterday. We are going back into the previous chapters of Numbers just a little bit because I want to look at Numbers chapter 6 and the idea of the Nazarite vow. Who is a Nazarite? What does a Nazarite do? And sadly, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of information about it, but there are a couple of things that I think we should take away from this. So let's look together at Numbers chapter 6 and begin here in verse 1 for episode 47. It says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. There's going to be four conditions that we see here. So condition one, separate yourself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced of the grapevine. So you can't have anything to do with the grapes, not even the seeds or the skins. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. So that's the third condition. You can't cut your hair. And then he shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair, the hair of his head grow long. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. So these Nazarites, these are people. This isn't a nationality. This isn't someone who, uh, it's not a genealogy kind of thing. It's somebody who makes a special vow to God. And while they are under this special vow, there are several requirements. You can't have strong drink. You can't eat anything to do with the grape. You don't cut your hair at all. And you can't come near a dead body. Why this vow is made, the Bible doesn't tell us. I'm sure that there are some extra biblical sources that speak to this a little bit more. But as far as just comprehending what the Bible says about it, the Bible doesn't tell us what this is or why the people would do this. Why would people make a special vow to the Lord in this manner? Because it's a special vow. It's not just a regular vow. Later in the book of Numbers, they talk about regular vows made before the Lord. But something is different about this one. The most famous Nazarite in the Bible... This guy over here, Samson, in Judges 13 through 16, we are not going to talk about him at length today because we'll talk about him in a little while when we get into the book of Judges. But Samson is famous for his long hair and his brute strength and his seven braids that get shaved off by Delilah. And why is that such a big deal that his hair was shaved off? Well, because he was a Nazarite dedicated to God. And interestingly enough, you'll notice this. Uh, it goes on to say, let me, let's pick up again in verse 6, the condition number 4. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body, not even for his father or for his mother. That's very unusual because the only other person who wasn't allowed to go near their father and mother when they died, the only other person was the high priest. And we see that, I think, in Exodus 21, 1 through 10, but don't hold me to that. Um, and, and so... The only other person who's forbidden from burying or being near their father or mother when they die is the high priest. So there's something very unique about this Nazarite vow. So you can't go near a dead body, not even for your mother or father, not for your brother or your sister if they die, because it will make him unclean. And the separation of God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy to the Lord. That's an interesting thing, too. It's a little bit similar to, you might remember, the high priest would wear the turban on his head and the, the gold plate on the front of the turban said, holy to the Lord. And uh, we, we saw that when Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu died back in Leviticus chapter 10, he was forbidden from leaving the tent of meeting because he was dedicated to the Lord, holy to the Lord. Again, something really unique about this Nazarite vow. There's something that elevates it. We'll see something else that seems to elevate this Nazarite vow here in a minute as well. 
Verse 9, and if any man very suddenly dies beside him and he defiles his consecrated head, he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day he shall shave it. On the eighth day he shall bring two turtle doves or two pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Let's just get this image in our head for a moment. Uh, Verse 9, if a man very suddenly dies beside him. So you can't come near a dead body. You can't be near a dead body. If by chance someone is next to you and they just suddenly die, you're next to the dead body. And I have always thought this verse is funny. Maybe you don't find this funny at all, but maybe this is again, my dark kind of twisted sense of humor, but like you're just going along and then you're in Nazarite honoring the Lord. Your hair's growing long. You're not touching the wine. You're not eating anything with grapes. You're avoiding dead bodies. And the dude next to you just falls over dead, violating your vow. Like, how inconvenient, <laughs> you know? Like, and if no one else is around, aren't, are you a little tempted to walk to the other side of the street and be like, oh no, look over there. I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of a funny image to me. Uh, I'm sure that people suddenly fall dead next to Nazarites all the time, but it's, it's at least significant enough. Here's the other thing. This is significant enough that it's included in the teaching on the Nazarite. So that, it's important, right? So if that happens, he has to shave his head and then on the eighth day, he needs to bring an offering to the Lord because he's he's violated his vow. Wasn't his choice, but he violated his vow. Verse 11 says this, and the priest shall offer one for a sin offering. These are the turtle doves and the pigeons and one for a burnt offering and make atonement for him because he sinned by reason of the dead body. Dude drops dead next to you and you're guilty for it is just kind of crazy. But anyway, he shall consecrate his head the same day and separate himself to the Lord for the days of his separation and bring a male lamb a year old for a guilt offering. But the previous period shall be void because his separation was defiled. So let's, I don't know how long the vow lasts. You're a Nazarite for the length of your vow. So if you say, I have this vow and it's, I vow, you know, three years of whatever, X, Y, and Z, I'm going to do this for the Lord. And you're letting your hair grow and you're not coming near the wine. And then imagine like, Two years, 11 months, and 29 days, dude drops dead next to you. Now your vow is violated and you got to start over. So everything that you've done according to that vow is now defunct. And it's just, this is just a funny image in my head. Verse 13, and this is the law for the Nazarite when the time of his separation has been completed. So now when you successfully fulfilled your vow, he shall be brought to the entrance of the tent of meeting and he shall bring his gift to the Lord, one male lamb, a year old without blemish for a burnt offering, one ewe lamb a year old without blemish as a sin offering, and one ram without blemish as a peace offering, and a basket of unleavened bread, loaves of fine flour mixed with oil, unleavened wafers, wafers smeared with oil, and their grain offerings and their drink offerings. Now, I mentioned Samson a minute ago. Samson was supposed to be a Nazarite from birth. Samson was supposed to be a Nazarite for his entire life. And so this is these rules were supposed to be on Samson the whole time. But anyway, we'll get to him, like I said, in the book of Judges. Verse 16 says, And the priest shall bring them before the Lord and offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. He shall offer the ram as a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord with the basket of unleavened bread. And the priest shall also offer it as a grain offering and his drink offering. And, verse 18, check this out, The Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Remember, this is at the end of it all. And shall take his hair from his consecrated head, put it on the fire that is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. So he actually offers his hair as an offering or she, because remember it could be man or woman, offer their hair as an offering to God, kind of symbolic of I've completed my vow. Here's my vow of dedication. And the priest shall take the shoulder of the ram when it is boiled, verse 19, one unleavened loaf of the basket, an unleavened wafer, and shall put them on the hands of the Nazarite 
after he has shaved the hair of his consecration. And the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. They are a holy portion to the priest, together with the breast that is waved, the thigh that is contributed. And after that, the Nazarite may drink wine. I, I love that that's kind of like what it comes back to. Look, now you can go have a glass of wine. You've gone through all this vow. You've been through the hard parts, right? This is the law of the Nazarite. If he vows an offering to the Lord above his Nazarite vow, as he can afford in exact accordance with the vow that he takes, he shall do this in addition to all the laws of the Nazarite. So this is the rules of the Nazarite. Again, we're not told why somebody would take a Nazarite vow, what the significance of it was, but we know that it's weighty because there are some things similar to it, like the priesthood, that you're consecrated as holy to God for the entire time you're under your vow and you can't come near a dead body. A couple of other things to think about. There are only a few other places in the Bible that this is referenced. The place that it's referenced really clearly is Amos 2, 11 through 12. And to paraphrase, it's Amos, the, the prophet, is rebuking the nation of Israel at the behest of God. And he says this, through God through, through Amos says, I raised up prophets and Nazarites, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and you forbade the prophets from speaking. So Israel is in rebellion against God. And, and the Nazarites and the prophets are elevated up next to each other. I gave to you Nazarites. I gave to you. So these people who are dedicated to God, again, we're not sure why. I raised up these Nazarites. I raised up these prophets. And you were so wicked, you compelled the Nazarites to drink wine, to violate their vow. And you compelled the prophets not to speak the word of God. And so it's interesting to me that the Nazarites here are lifted up and elevated next to the prophets as they seem to be in similar setting with the high priest. And so, again, man, I wish there was more information. Uh, I, I do want to read some extra biblical stuff on this, but I always try to weigh it against the scripture, and the scripture just doesn't give us a lot of extra information on it. And then let me show you two places in the New Testament where I believe that the Nazarite vow is mentioned, though it's not called the Nazarite vow. In Acts 18.18, 18, Paul, after spending a year and a half in Corinth, is leaving, he drops Priscilla and Aquila off at Ephesus, and he continues on his way. He's heading back to Antioch, heading back to his home base. He's by way of Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Acts 18, 18, that Paul shaved his head uh, because he had completed the vow that he was under. So he shaved his head, which Nazarite vow, right? We see that here in number six. And then again, in Acts 21, right before Paul is arrested in Acts 22, right before Paul is arrested, some people in Jerusalem come to him and they say, look, we've heard it said that you're telling the Gentiles not to be circumcised. We've heard it said that you're telling the Gentiles they don't have to observe the law of Moses, which was in fact true. It's based off of Acts 15. It's based off of Galatians. It's based off of Romans. And so Paul had been teaching that to the Galatians. But one of the things that's interesting is it says, listen, the Jews here are mad at you. The Jews in Jerusalem are mad at you. They're, they're ready to kill you. And so he says, what I want you to do is there are four men who are under a vow. Will you take them to the tabernacle? Will you take them to the temple, rather, not the tabernacle at this point? Will you take them to the temple before the priest and pay their price so that their vows can be completed and they can shave their heads? Would you ex escort these four people who are under a vow to the temple and pay their fees? And so, uh, so that's what they implore him to do. And it seems to be the only other reference to a Nazarite vow. Again, we're not told why. We're not told the substance of it. Uh, this chapter ends with Aaron's blessing. To the people of God. He doesn't, he hasn't blessed them yet, but God is instructing them on how to bless. And I, I love this. It's it's Numbers 6, 22 through 27. 
The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so they will put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And I, I just, I love that that is the ironic blessing to the, the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he show his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so why that is tacked on here at the instruction of the Nazarite, uh, right before we get into chapter 7 that we saw last week, I don't know. But I, I love this little nugget that's kind of buried here in chapter 6 of the Nazarite vow and the blessing of Aaron to the people of God. And I will see you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching. Thank you so much for journeying with us today at Simpler Bible through another section of Scripture where we come to know and understand God a little bit better. Look, if you're brand new to Simpler Bible, we have all sorts of resources available for you. Go to our website, simplerbible.com, and there you can find these videos, you can find our podcast, you can find links to our social media, and you can even find a blog post with additional scriptures if you want to go into a little bit more study than we had time to cover in this podcast and video today. We hope that this tool will be exactly that for you, a tool. Not something that replaces your daily walk with God, but something that enhances your daily walk with God and helps you to know and enjoy Him more. Thank you so much for being part of this, and we'll see you again tomorrow.